Welcome back to another episode of Indie Comics. I'm your host, Maddie, and I have a very special guest uh, co-hosting with me today. Tyler's oh, back. Oh, hi. Yes, sorry. Yes. Hi. <laughs> he talks all the time, except for uh, when you want him to. <laughs> yep. We have actually a very special guest guest today. Uh, we had her here for Kinsey a little while ago, um, and she has another incredible comic out. Uh, Emma Steinkellner. Did I pronounce your name right? I'm sorry. <laughs> you got it. Nice. Look at that. How are you doing, Emma? I'm doing fine. Um, I'm. Thank you for having me on. It's it. It was a pleasure last time, and I'm and I'm really excited for this. I'm shocked that you weren't scared away, but so glad that you're back. <laughs> How have you been for I'm the last? I'm brave. Thanks. <laughs> it's the only way we can have uh, return guests on this show. <laughs> <laughs> but, but how have you been the last? We were thinking it's been like over a year now since we've talked with you. Um, obviously, you've been up to quite a lot, um, and Kinsey was hugely popular, um, and Eisner nominated robbed you were robbed oh. uh, <laughs> but how are how's co- the comics world for you it's been it's been really interesting because you know with, with Kinsey we it, it's been an entirely different process than uh, uh, and kind of journey than the okay which has been um, and because we we published with Fanbase press who are absolutely incredible they just had their 10th anniversary. Um, and they're, you know, they're, um, a small press here in, in LA or they do, um, indie comics publishing all creator owned titles. It's just a really, really great law operation that Barbara and Brian Dillon have going. And they were supportive of us at every step of the way, which I think for me and my sister, Sebastian, our, our collaborator and the creator of Kinsey had worked with them before on Penguins versus Possums. But for me and Kit, this was really our first kind of big uh, foray into into comics. And it was like, you couldn't have had a warmer one. It was like, mm. it was just every, like, every Comic-Con, they held our hands. And <laughs> they, they connected us with so many kind of independent media people like you guys. Um, and... So that was just really incredible. And then with um, with the OK Witch, uh, which I was just starting to work on when we were putting kind of the final bells and whistles on Kinsey, um, the OK Witch I did with uh, with Aladdin, which is an imprint under Simon and Schuster, and whole different whole different uh, world. You know, big publisher. Uh, yeah. It's a middle grade graphic novel, so mostly I mean Kinsey is definitely for readers. Uh, young readers and readers of all ages, but the OK Witch is a middle grade comic specifically for kids around ages eight to 12. So that was different. Doing school visits was a whole new thing. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it, I mean, it was kind of similar to things I've done before. I, yeah. I, I've worked with um, Story Pirates where we do like creative workshops, creative writing oh, workshops. cool. Schools and I and I did the same thing in college with a group called Flying Trios and I taught at like a nursery school. So like I, kids are fun and I and I love them and they're and they're fantastic and they're so hilarious. Um, <laughs> but like actually going to schools and being like, hey, I'm doing the job that if I were your age right now would have been my dream job and I'm really mm. excited to tell you about. Like that's really special. Yeah. And yeah. Like that's I mean by far the best part. Uh, and it was it was definitely the best part with Kinsey too is you know meeting or hearing from a reader who like it meant a lot to them and it's the yeah. same thing with okay which like hearing from a reader or a parent or a teacher say I had a kid who just couldn't put this down 
that's because it just makes me feel like, oh, did whatever did Kate Kleiss and M. Sarah Kleiss feel this way when they when like a little Emma Steinhelner read <laughs> their book from camp so much that her teacher just gave her the classroom copy because she checked it out too many times. <laughs> like it's it's very it's very fun and you know and I I try to be as reflective as possible about you know now that I'm in this position that I'm doing the thing that I've always wanted to be doing how can I do it well and how can I do it yeah. in a in, how can I not forget that I'm that I'm really thankful and glad to be doing this <laughs> um yeah what so is that what does that kind of mean to you then being able to have those relationships and those experiences? I mean, working with children is not always easy. It sounds like you're very experienced and talented at it. Um, but to be in this space where you're really influencing young people, I mean, I think comics influence obviously people of all ages um, and you can be 90 and have a really emotional experience with a work, but to be young and to have something that you connect with uh, and to be able to give that to people, what is that like? My my guess has always been that a lot of times content created for kids and teens is making kind of broad guesses based on, I don't know, trends or what's popular as to what they will want. Um, and I find that that's just not always as successful or as intimate as uh, someone creating something for kids or, or teens or young readers or watchers because it's something that they would have wanted to read or watch or mm -hmm. consume as a kid. It's, it, I, I find that with that, with the most kind of special sticky media for kids, you get that kind of clue that, Oh, this is, this feels like something that's close to home for mm. the, um, for the creator. And sometimes that's a creator telling their own story. I mean, a big conversation in um, kids and, and, and middle grade and young adult books right now, as well it should be, is kind of the hashtag own voices conversation mm. about creators from marginalized identities, um, ethnicities, abilities, sexualities, writing about young people kind of dealing with the, um, the realities of, of being um, part of one of those marginalized identities, which, you know, it's, and, and I speak about that as, a you know, as a, as a young white woman who, um, had of ability and all that kind of stuff. But I, but that's just kind of, I guess one kind of that specificity really, really ringing true for kid readers. Um, and that means so much. And I also think, you know, if, uh, not that it's, on par or part of the same conversation, but that same specificity, if it's, you know, I have a very particular sense of humor and, <laughs> and I think sometimes when people are trying to guess the kind of humor kids will want, they'll just go, Oh, I guess fart stuff or <laughs> like monkeys. Do kids think monkeys are funny? And, and, and connect. I, and I, I, think, th I think everybody thinks monkeys are funny. I, I would oh, hope. I Maybe. I do not like monkeys, Tyler, so <gasps> I will. But yeah, I mean, you're taking them seriously and yeah. treating them like people. Yeah, some humor is evergreen, but in terms <laughs> of like um, like monkeys. Um, <laughs> I was just joking. I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't like monkeys. I, yeah. My goal um, my goal in life is to at least have one hug from a monkey, and that's it. Like, just... just 
Sorry. I'm sure you can make that happen. Um, Maybe. But like in terms of like my, my particular sense of humor, I like kind of bringing that into my books because that's, you know, it's something only I can deliver. And I, Mm -hmm. and so I want to, and, and, you know, there's going to be a kid who finds it funny or there's going to be a kid who doesn't know that that's the kind of thing that they, they thought was funny or amusing until they read this book. And I, and that's, really cool to me too, because I definitely had things like that in my own, in my own sort of reading experiences as a kid. So I have like Mr. Laszlo is, um, Moth's familiar, her black cat in, um, in the book. And he's, uh, spoiler alert, the, uh, the reincarnation of, um, her sort of like grandfather figure. um, Oh, that's cool. Who was, uh, who owned the store that her mom, he, he died and now her, her mom owns and operates it. Um, but he's just this very, very genial, um, figure in her life and, and he's very sassy and he incorporates a lot of, a lot of Yiddish, which is, you know, important. <laughs> and, and, and his kind of particular, like, borscht belt style of humor, it's like, maybe not something that you'd expect that a kid in 2020 would (laughs) resonate with until they do. And I always get, I always get emails or at school visits, I'll have all of kids tell me he's my, he's my favorite character. Like Mm -hmm. consistently Laszlo is everyone's favorite. And maybe it's because he's an adorable cat. It's probably no small part of it, (laughs) but, um, but it's unique. Yeah. Yeah. it's, It's unique and it's not something you might find everywhere else. And I think, that kind of particularity um, meets meets kids where they're at, or meets kids where they're going to be, and I and I like that kind of thing. I like that too, you know, especially with this and working with a, a different um, kind of age group from what you what we were doing with Keen said, like you were saying, and using these different kind of um, I guess knowledge and experiences. It's it definitely helps, and like the the book is awesome, and like I, I bought it on Amazon and I read <laughs> it, and uh, I, I I love that. I thought it was, I I think it's absolutely phenomenal, and <laughs> and uh, I would definitely liken it with a little bit of of not 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 not, not with content, but I want to talk uh, more about the dialogue, and um of like the first season of Avatar: Last Airbender, where oh, interesting. And, and uh, like I, I just think with, with kind of with dialogue and also just kind of how like you, what you're saying is you're not talking down you you're not trying to be like well ki- uh, kids like this this they always you know they like you said like they want monkeys they want you know they want this <laughs> they want that you actually do in a way like an Avatar Last Airbender especially with season one where it's a lot more lighthearted because <laughs> the second and third season are very different but uh, you you do such a great job of having them just be them. And uh, and every single character just kind of have something to say that I actually 100% believe that I don't think it's just some author who's just like, yeah, we'll just we'll just we'll just have him say this because, you know, that's how I feel right now. But so I just wanted to give you (laughs) sorry. Well, and that's something that separates like real good, talented art from kind of, you know, just basic creations. Every creation is good. Go make things. But, you know, within that, it's like when you enjoy watching kids TV shows or whatever, like just because it's geared towards that audience, just because it's maybe made more specifically for them to consume, it doesn't mean, you know, this is something that everyone can enjoy. And there's something really special about that where it's simple enough for 
for children. Um, but like you said, they're growing into it as much as it's, you know, for their age range. And that's something that is really special. Absolutely. And, it, and also yeah. might be because just watch Avatar Last Airbender. And it I was going to say. <laughs> and it literally is my favorite show of all time. So, so it's a high compliment from him. It, I have a very, very, uh, like I've watched um, Avatar The Last Airbender in like in patches. And I've loved the episodes I've watched, which have been, you know, I, I, I've been like taken through some of the highlights. Um, but it was some, like, I think when I was a kid, I found I found like saga TV shows exhausting. Mm. So like, <laughs> I didn't watch it as a kid. But I, now I've, I've watched um, plenty of it as, as an adult. And I, and I love it. And I want to go back and and do the whole thing. Um, but I, I watched so much uh, kids TV and read so many graphic novels for kids now because, you know, A, research, and I can always say that. Um, <laughs> but he, I, I, I like them, especially like I'm like I'm, I've been saying when it feels like they're coming from a place that, you know, is important to the creators and yeah. they're investing, yeah. they're not just going, OK, this is a, you know, this is a meaningless thing. But kids will, you know, it, it'll entertain kids for 20 minutes. They actually <laughs> care and they're and yeah. They're invested in making something quality for for young audiences, and and quality. I think you know that's a very very broad term that can cover a lot a lot of different types of things. Um, but yeah, when I think to your point too, people can easily throw gore and you know violence and even sex into something to make it more adult or to make it more edgy, but just like the fart jokes, like what does that really add in the end if it's not in service to story? And I think that's where things that are focused more on children, like the story really has to shine. You can't distract with all of that extra stuff. Um, I think it's, it's really powerful. Sometimes it is, it has great narrative significance. Yeah. To, to leave the folks in. Yeah, I was gonna say, especially especially if it's if it's part of the of the you know the character's actual you know humor and stuff like that. But like, there's so, there's so many animated films and so many things where like like uh, I, I will even uh, it's actually my favorite animation studio right now. But uh, but when they began, or at least in the in their middle years, it was really tough. But DreamWorks would do that. They would have like a really really emotional scene or something where a character would grow, and then a fart joke out of nowhere and then it would completely ruin the whole scene but i think it was their fear of like you know kids being like oh god is this serious like you know like i think it was their kind of their way to distract but that's 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 a whole other topic uh i do i definitely do wanted to want to ask though it's like you know with with what i what i got was a uh, an avatar last airbender type of dialogue and type of care for your characters uh and again like i'm maddie will attest i don't read a lot of the comics that we actually do on the show because I don't have time, but I, I, I had seen this. It had been uh, the OK Witch was, has been on my front page for Amazon every single time I've gone on it for the, for a few months. Like it'll be right next to like Saga, Batman, and like all these other like really, really, really action packed stuff, which I don't even read that much. Like really but, violent but that, comics. You got to hand it to Jeff Bezos. He knows you want to read the OK Witch. <laughs> and I'm glad. Well, I'm glad. And it, and I and it just kept on being there. So I, I I bought it and I read it about a month ago and I loved it. And that's I just wanted to tell you that like. I don't get to read that much anymore, um, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I, I do want to know, though, like, what were your literary? Who were your literary uh, inspirations? Because this is your first time, kind of doing the the writing and and the art on a project like this. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, my my as a kid, my favorite books to read were I loved the Wayside School books by Lewis Sackar. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like the, again, the sense of humor in that, and and you can tell it's personal to him because he in, includes himself as a character. He's like the custodian of the school, and he, you know, yeah. he hangs out with all the kids, and and it's it's just a wonderful, wonderful series of like these really deeply funny short stories. And then of all, of course, he has um, his other books like Holes, which is an amazing book yeah. and an amazing movie. I just watched it recently, and it holds up very much. I loved uh, Gail Carson Levine, those kind of like weirdo fairy tales, like kind of fractured fairy tales that she would do and Ellen Enchanted and her books of short stories. I, I always liked short stories because it felt, I liked accomplishing something before I went to bed and I would read before bed. <laughs> a chapter was always great, but if I could read a whole story before I went to bed, it was, that was, um, that was a big, a big deal to me. Yeah. Um, so I loved, I loved things like that. Um. I, I mean, I loved Archie Comics when I was a kid. I, I just, I mainlined Archie Comics. (laughs) Every time I went to the grocery store or the post office with my mom or dad, I would, I would, um, ask for one and, uh, they were, you know, two cents. So I would get it. Um, (laughs) and then like my parents' friends, uh, and like everyone they knew, knew I loved Archie's. So they would give me their old copies from the Mm. seventies or eighties from when they were kids. And so I just, I just amassed this like beautiful collectors um paradise of, uh by the way uh, go to collectors paradise which i think is, is in north hollywood uh, <laughs> um but uh <laughs> um but archie comics uh i just i i loved those and i loved like having that sense of history from the older ones like that's what got me into um that's what got me really into history and really into like kind of the history of pop culture and fashion and all the like that is absolutely was absolutely my gateway into into that and then um god I really do the all my favorite writers are just short story writers um because like now I love Amy Bender and Octavia Butler and like it's just like anyone who can make such a powerful um uh, like a powerful bit of magic in, and usually they are writing about something magical or supernatural. Um, but also, you know, at, at just as real. Yeah. Um, which makes sense in the context of what you're doing with yeah. okay, Witch, and because with- it has, well, yeah. And with Kinsey, cause you, you both, you have the short story format of a graphic novel versus an ongoing series where it has a beginning, middle and end. You can sit and, you know, it might take a little longer, but can sit and read it in one go. And, um, there's something so special. There's something special about the serialized versions where you can go to the post office and pick it up. And Mm. there's also something special about something that you can hold the whole story in your hands, Mm. um, and just go through it. And I think that's, really cool and something special about graphic novels in particular um, and how easy it is to get them and, and uh, try different things and different artists and different writers. And this was your first time writing, correct? For a graphic novel. Yeah. This is my first graphic novel that I've both uh, written and illustrated. What was it like writing for the first time in this format? Um, It was, I mean, I had a amazing, uh, I guess, unintentional uh, teacher in, in my sister who wrote Kinsey, Kit Steinkelmer, and she's a, totally totally brilliant comics writer and uh she's a tv writer and creator and a playwright and she just has this incredible sense of um character and relationships and so i draw a lot of inspiration from her and and my my whole family is writers my my mom and dad 
They're right. I was already going to say that's like a really powerful creative family. And then your parents are too. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and get this. My older brother is also a writer. Wow. I was going to say, you don't have like a little brother or something that just is not creative at all and likes math. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> the, young, I'm the youngest, which is great because I get to sap it all up and I don't have to inspire anything. <laughs> Um, it's, that's awesome. It's a pretty great gig if you can swing it. Yeah. Um, That'd be a great comic book though. It's like a whole family of writers and then the one uh, brother who's an accountant and he's like, right. <laughs> we did spend, my family did spend one Thanksgiving t- having an entire conversation, hypothetical conversation about our imaginary other sibling who comes after me <laughs> and be like, what would they do? So that was very Fun and then we were like very sad because we were like, wait, they're not here. Uh, (laughs) You missed your created sibling. Yeah, imaginary friend. Yeah, (laughs) they know who they are. Um, But uh, yeah, my whole family just inspires me, and they're all like, they all have their own like um, really great specialities as writers in their own right, and um, and then also like there's just things that I think are a common thread among all of us uh, that. I think we all get to share and kind of inspire each other with. Um, so yeah, my, my sister really like, especially she, because she's written uh, comics before um, she was a great guide and she would look at rough drafts for me. Everyone would actually. Yeah. Um, and at, at a certain point I did have to cut that off because I was, I realized I was showing scripts to like 10 different editors because I had, mm family and then I also had all the people at Simon and Schuster and so I was like you know what I might need to tamp this down um, <laughs> yeah but, uh and then I I mean there's just absolutely brilliant comics writers that I draw a lot of inspiration from I love my my uh current uh real um passion is for uh Mark Russell's uh the Hanna-Barbera comics under yeah. oh Those yes are- yes I, I love <laughs> the Flintstones was amazing <laughs> And the snaggle post, they're both they're both just so like the dialogue is so tight and hilarious and I and I love uh I mean straight adaptations are great, but I love like a kooky adaptation that yeah. you're like, how did this happen? And I have no idea how they greenlit this over at DC. <laughs> but I love it. I'm just absolutely wild about it. Um, and then there's also other creators writing middle grade graphic novels that uh, Jen Wang inspires me a lot uh, with Princess and the Dressmaker and Stargazing and Vera Brosgel has Be Prepared and Anya's Ghost. And those are both incredible. Oh, um, I know I'm going to miss someone. I like it, it's a, I've been watching a lot of um, uh, old Tony's ceremony, old Tony Awards oh, on YouTube. Uh, that's been what I've had on while I'm drawing. Um, and everyone always goes when they're giving their uh, acceptance speeches, they always go, I know I'm going to forget someone. And I, and <laughs> sure. It is true for everyone. And you just, uh, but yeah, I, those are, those are a few of my uh, uh, people who I kind of looked to for, for that. Um, That's awesome. What but, in particular inspired, okay, which like, did you have this story idea before and then brought it to Simon and Schuster or were they looking for something like this? Like, how did that come to be? Yeah, so I had been, um, I was my literary agent, Dan Lazar, or at the time he was not my literary agent yet. I was, you know, he had found my artwork on Instagram and he emailed me just asking, you know, is, do you have a book in you? And I lied and said, yes. Uh, (laughs) I had no ideas yet. 
Um, that was that's the that's the best thing you could have done. That's that's exactly what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I don't. I I definitely don't advocate lying. Uh, in every instance. I mean, I mean, you're, you're a creative type. I mean, there's always a book in you, though. I mean, I'm just, or there's always a story that's just waiting yeah. to come out. It just wasn't at the forefront of my mind <laughs> um, yet. Um, so I did at that time. I, I did uh, just whip up a bunch of ideas, and most of them he was like, "Absolutely not, no, no, no." <laughs> Oh, I mean, in a very, very nice way. Sorry. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I would, I would assume. <laughs> no, a, this is horrible. <laughs> he's a very, very decent kind of person. Um, <laughs> Never but, read a book again. No. Just kidding. <laughs> um, well, I, I did. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then, um, uh, but then there was one uh, idea that was, I, it was about a, a young teen witch and her mother and their, like, kind of their relationship and how they. Yeah, at that time it was that they that moth had been born in like the 1690s and that they as witches just aged very slowly so they kind of lived surreptitiously among humans for through centuries and um and that was so convoluted and i'm not even very good at math so i think keeping up that ratio of <laughs> yeah would have been hell in fact if like please don't double check um don't, don't chat, fact check the okay witch for math errors because <laughs> they're they're, uh, they're not great. Um, <laughs> you're like, you're like a, a witch's lifespan is around three hundred forty two point six years. Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, I had good editors, so it's probably it probably holds up. But um, I uh, so at that time that was what the idea was, and he's like, you know what, let's work on this a little bit. Uh, and so we just kind of ping pong back and forth. I would send him. Uh, a chapter of script and he would uh, you know he would give me his feedback and I would send him some illustrations and so on and so on and that went on for about a about a year I was working a uh, day job uh, illustrating for um, kind of tech and video game ads and um, and then nights and weekends I was working on this um, and eventually, uh, we had kind of a, a first, a fully illustrated and written first chapter and a, um, and, a, like a, a summary of what the rest of the book would be. And that's what we shopped out. And he, uh, he knew, he really, uh, had an instinct that, um, Lisa Abrams, who's, um, my editor over at Aladdin would really, really like it. And she did. So that, um, that was a match made in heaven. Um, so that's, that's how that, uh, happened. But okay, which I think was really the spark of it was probably that I just love teen witch stories and I had, <laughs> who doesn't exactly, but I hadn't seen them codified as a genre yet. Really? Yeah. Uh, like, like anyone going like, here is what a teen witch story is. And so I thought it'd be fun to have a character who knows how those stories are supposed to go. But uh, I, I thought it'd be great to have a main character who knows how teen witch stories are supposed to go and knows they're fictional, but she knows like what the genre is. And then when she finds herself in the middle of one, it then, then things get crazy. Like I love, um, I, I, what I always talk about is I love the movie Scream mm. and love how it's both a teen horror flick and it like it both does a teen horror flick pretty perfectly and it also totally examines what a teen horror flick should be and what it has 
And so I, that's what I really wanted to do with the OK Witch is just have someone who loves these kind of stories dropped in the middle of one. And how is it different than sh- what she expected it was going yeah. to be? And and yeah, that that's that was my um, that was my big goal. Absolutely. I was actually going to ask you about like, um, you know, mo- uh, movies and TV shows or comic books like Sabrina where mm-hmm. uh, and like Harry Potter, where it, it it's not a teenage uh you know, especially for that one with wizards and witches and stuff, uh, they're they're all they were kids that grew, that just had grown up for about seven years. So you got the whole story. And I mean, if you read the books, of course, they don't even have like teenage years because they're fighting a war. So yeah, <laughs> they're busy. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna yeah, it's, it's gonna suck in the thirties to be like I wasn't even a teen. No, but um, and you know, and Sabrina, which is a whole other, uh, it's a whole other mess, uh, especially from like. Like the comics, the TV, the old TV show, and the new TV show, where uh, you know it compl- the comics because those are part of the Archieverse. Yes. So there would be a couple yes. of comics in the middle of an Archie Double Digest. And that's what that was <laughs> going to be my question, which was your love of Archie and uh, and and you know with Sabrina being in that same universe, um, is this kind of like you know uh, maybe working a little bit more and more into it? Do you feel like your love for Archie and and possibly Sabrina? Because I'm only assuming. Um, did that kind of come out maybe in making this book as well? Because I definitely got some vibes on like the old TV show, Sabrina. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's, that's very possible. I mean, especially, I mean, you can draw a very straight line from, uh, that <laughs> Salem puppet in the, in the Melissa Joan Hart, Sabrina series to Mr. <laughs> Blackwell. Uh, and I, and I, and I have always said, you know, if, if, if it ever were going to be like a series or a movie, I puppet is the only way to go. <laughs> but, <laughs> you, you have Salem and you have Thackeray Banks, the yeah, two that's greatest cats of all time. That's right. Thackeray Banks from Hocus Pocus. And um, super in love with him when I was a child, which is not weird at all. It's fine. <laughs> uh, he was a guy. It's the Goofy movie. It's the Max Goof voice. And that's a, he has a very cute voice. He does. Um, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, the, uh, there was so much great witch content for me growing up. I love, like, yeah. I loved Hocus Pocus. I loved Halloween Town. Oh, that's right. Uh, Halloween yes. Town. Yeah. Hocus well, Pocus. I feel like now you're creating it for another generation, which is so cool. Well, you well, also, you, you also, like, really do have your own stamp in it. It, it is, it is a witch story that I, I actually, haven't seen before like um it's kind of it was actually a really refreshing reading it just kind of like watching i don't know if you've seen mary and the witch uh, uh mary and the witch's flower um yes I, I did catch that is that the right i can't remember that's if it's the yes. witch's flower but um yeah i mean it, it was really refreshing yeah i think i i mean i think i wanted this to be equal part like i wanted it to remind people of which stuff from you know the whatever 50s through 90s 2000s i i wanted it like all of those to kind of come to mind in some sort of like yeah. tonal capacity, but obviously I want it to be its own thing too. Absolutely. And I, if, I think, uh, I hope I achieved enough of both, but you absolutely. Um, did. Absolutely. absolutely did. But the two, the top two that people say it kind of feels like were um, Hocus Pocus and Halloween town, I guess, just in that sort of like new England nostalgic kind yeah. of 
like yeah. feel, which that always makes me really happy. Yeah, that's awesome. Can I actually ask? Well, cr- oh, I'm so oh, yeah, sorry, Maddie. I was just gonna ask. Um, you know, with fantasy and and kind of stories like this, you know, every single uh, every single author likes to put a specific stamp onto something into in the fam- uh, fantasy genre. Is there something that you particularly wanted to kind of put a stamp on? Like, it'd be like, no, this is my fan. Like, this is. Uh, if, like you know, if somebody just look at this and be like, "This is an Emma fantasy story," what would be like the one thing that you did in this, or like maybe a trope that, that you did? Oh, interesting. Okay, um, yeah, it's interesting because uh, all the, I guess, all the magic and witch and wizard fiction that we've been talking about so far, I feel like each one of them sort of uses magic as a different type of plot device. Like, in Harry Potter, magic is something, like, magic is tied to education in a very, very strong way, which makes a lot of sense because they're at a magic school. But at each in each book, the way that they're able to perform and hone magic changes and grows and expands because they're learning more and more. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, the type of magic that they're doing in, uh, you know, Sorcerer's Stone or Chamber of Secrets is going to be, like, basic spells that are like kind of basic recited spells that they know that are locked down. Um, and then, you know, in books three, four, five, the magic gets a little more kind of emotional yeah. and it gets more like sort of <laughs> terror based, I guess. <laughs> um, and, and it, and it, and the magic grows kind of more combative and it's something that you fight with because you have to. Yeah. Um, so that's something I've always found interesting. And, and then something like Bewitched, like the, the show, the old witch sitcom from the sixties, like magic is something that it's the type of magic that works in a sitcom, which is yeah. like the magic causes a small problem that then has to be solved probably with more magic. But maybe. <laughs> Um, and so for the OK Witch, I really wanted magic to be something that was emotional, that was de- very like generated by emotions. And you see that with like the first time Moth performs magic. It's when she's under a lot of stress. She's being bullied. And, you know, it's it's sort of she really, really wants to um, run away or fight back. But she feel, she doesn't feel like she can like yell at these bullies or fight back in real life. And so her magic kind of d- steps in for her. Yeah. Um, so I wanted it to be something emotional and I wanted it to be an extension of family too, because one of the things that I, that I really took a lot of pride in and um, in writing was the relationship between Moth and her mom, who's sort of an ex witch who doesn't practice magic anymore and has sort of vowed to stay away from it. And Moth's relationship with her grandmother, her, her mom's mother, who's a very kind of imperious um, witch queen, as it were, I guess. Um, And then also Moth's mom's, Moth's mom, Cal, her relationship with the grandma and sort of how all of those relationships interact with each other and how they're all, they're three very, very different types of witches with very different relationships to magic and very different relationships to each other. So I think I... I don't know if I want to put a trademark on it at all. I, I would actually <laughs> encourage anyone to be able to use this in their in their storytelling. Yeah. But uh, magic as a device to explore family relationships, I, I really that's something that I loved being able to write about, and um, and then also I just like I amuse myself a lot, and so I think just putting in the jokes that are in this book and like. The the humor that's in it, I think that's something that'll be probably pretty inextricable from anything I write. If, <laughs> if it's not your cup of tea, you probably won't 
laugh very much and there's other things you can enjoy like the visuals and action or story or whatever but if it is your cup of tea then that is something that you can expect from anything else that I write too I, I like that. Awesome. I think if I was a kid, I would have. I mean, I, I I love it as an adult, but I think if if it had come out when I was, you know, eight to twelve, I would have loved this book so much. I'm very glad to hear it. What um as we kind of wrap up, I love to ask creators this, and especially because you not only did the art for this but also wrote it. What is something that you really want people of all ages, but particularly kids, to take away from this? I loved playing with the idea with real history in this book, a lot of sort of um, playing around real historical events, obviously Founders Bluff, Massachusetts, it's not a real town, but there are plenty of towns in New England, like Salem and Ipswich that have their own legacy of witch hunts and witch trials in America. And then also, you know, there have been witch trials all around the world through many centuries. And so being able to play with that that idea of history and um, being able to play with that particular history and then also just the general idea of how a kid can look at history, the history that they're being taught by several different sources, that meant a lot to me. I, I've always loved learning about history, but it's always changed for me because when I was a kid, you know, we would have our, our history curriculums would be that we would learn about the Revolutionary War at the beginning of every year, and that would go on a very long time. And by the end of the year, you had maybe done that through World War or through World War One, maybe. And and in and you know because of um, curricular standards, you're learning about things in a very certain way. And it wasn't until later on in high school, and I had an amazing history teacher, uh, Miss Bush, who really taught us to evaluate not only the things we'd already been learning about in history, like dates and names and battles and presidents, but um, to really evaluate the way the like the things that we are reading. What does a certain historical document we're looking at? have to gain by us believing it. Yeah. Who is writing something? Uh, why um, Why are they writing it? Uh, where is it coming from? How much basis in truth does it have? And um, thinking really more critically about history followed me into college where I, I studied gender studies. And I learned a lot more about um, sort of history that doesn't get talked about quite as much, obviously. Uh, for one reason or another, um, and learning about those sort of unsung people who are usually not as powerful um, or don't have powerful legacies that get echoed throughout textbooks all the time um, made me want to tell a story like The OK Witch, because The OK Witch is about um, not only characters who haven't been uh, you know, these witch characters who haven't been herald heralded and um, prized throughout time, but they've also been totally demonized and villainized. And they like the town legacy is um, sort of based. Moth discovers that she lives in a town whose legacy is based on hating people like her family. And mm -hmm. that is something that she first tries to deal with, or that she tries to deal with in a number of different ways, including, um, starting with like her trying to kind of include 
her family into the school play the history pageant and sort of go, well, okay, witches can't be that bad. We can't, you know, say they're that bad in this. Um, and ultimately she realizes she can't really change people's minds without believing in herself and knowing that she's part of this legacy. That's okay. The okay witch. Um, so I think, I would really love for readers to take away having a more complicated relationship with history. And it's not just about memorizing and spitting out dates and, and names of battles. In fact, it's about uh, digging a little bit deeper. And if you're interested in something, asking more questions and finding the sources that you can trust in. And yeah. I, and, and I guess that, that would be something that's really important to me. I love I that. Love that. And I th- I think even just going into then whether your history is negative or positive, understanding that you have the power to change perception and to do something good. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been so great to have you back. You are amazing. <laughs> the OK Witch is amazing. Yep. <laughs> Will there be more OK Witch or is there anything else that's coming out soon? from you uh, i i'm not quite at liberty to, to go into detail yet but i am working i'm working on another graphic novel right now for middle grade readers and i think if you liked the okay witch you will probably like this one perfect that's awesome we can't wait how can we follow you on social media so we can hear more once it's announced yeah. so i'm at uh m steinkellner that's e-m-s-t-e-i-n-k-e-l-l-n-e-r on both twitter and instagram uh, that I update with mm, some regularity. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can also um, find me on emmasteinkellner.com and you can write to me there. And I love getting emails from uh, readers. So go ahead and do that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. We'll reach out to Emma, ask her questions, tell her how much you loved the OK Witch. Yeah. Uh, check it out if you haven't already. You can also check out our other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all podcast apps. You can also check out our website, thegrandgeekgathering.com, for articles, videos, and more. Please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Tell us how much you love this comic. Tell us how much you can't wait for Emma to come back for her next graphic novel. <laughs> uh, you can stay updated on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we stream on Twitch, and we do Let's Play. The intro is provided by Cranston, and you can buy The OK Witch pretty much everywhere. Go into a Barnes & Noble, go on Amazon. It's from Simon & Schuster. When it's safe. Check it out. (laughs) That is true. There is, yeah, you can't really, well, you can maybe pick up from Barnes & Noble or get it online. There's lots of places to go online. This is a great time to read and a great time to dip into some cool fantasy. Um, with the OK Witch. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Emma. And thank come you. and join the gathering. Have a great week. And GGG. GGG. <laughs>